1973, a group of indigenous artists formed a collective. The press called them the Indian Group of Seven. Their goal? To raise the profile of indigenous art. It was all or nothing. We're representing all our people. And create a permanent space in galleries for indigenous artists in Canada and around the world. That was really a rock star moment for me. I'm Soleil Lunier, and this is Among Equals, the history and legacy of the professional native Indian artists, Inc. Listen wherever podcasts are heard. Art Slice is a different dive into art history. We goof around, we curse, you learn from it, but don't expect a typical lecture. You're welcome. Beep! Hey listeners, we present to you our Great Surrealist Paint-Off bonus episode from last December since we are running a bit behind on our next release. We highly recommend you following along on YouTube because we cover a lot of images in this one. It's a wild ride. If you love the show, please support us on Patreon for $2 a month. If you can't do that, you can help us out by leaving us a 5-star written review. As always, thank you so much for all of your support. Beep. For those of you that are new here, if you didn't catch the first warning, here's another one. If you are opposed to jokes, laughter, or fun, this may not be the show for you. You have been warned. Beep. Hello, gentle patrons. Thank you for being here. As always, we cannot make Art Slice without your support. And we wanted to do something a little extra special, a little special special, special special yeah. for you all to send, uh, to say Bon Voyage to 2022, a mixed year at best. Good fucking bye. And <laughs> hope that 2023 is better. It's probably not going to be spoiler alerts. Who knows? Cross your fingers. Probably going to get worse. Probably going to get a little worse. Uh, yeah. So we are here with our very first video episode yes yeah as you can see you can see our faces for the first time maybe (laughs) and we are covering the great surrealist paint off also known as the bellamy international art competition mostly known as the bellamy (laughs) pretty much uh yeah which we discovered while researching uh for dorothea tanning right I like our title better. You like our title a little bit better? Okay. Um, because there will be judging involved. We will be doing some judging. As per usual. Yeah, yeah. Really. A little bit judgy. <laughs> but if you're anything like us, you might disagree with who we pick as the winner mm. or who was picked historically as the, histor- the historical winner. <laughs> as the winner. Yeah. So let us know who you would have picked in the comments. Uh, and just a quick aside, we had we had some issues with the program we used <coughs> Riverside, uh, which is why Stephanie may seem like she's dubbed at times. She might seem like she's a character in a nineteen sixties Godzilla film. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but we hope you enjoy it. Uh, yeah. Uh, we're just gonna cut right over to what we've we're already here, recorded. We're here. Got a lot of textures. Let's, t- let's touch hands. Got a lot of textures. I don't Got know a- if this is even shown up in the nope. in the. <laughs> That showed up. <laughs> we also coordinated our outfits today for you. We did. Uh, specifically. Russell copied me. <clears throat> no, no, As no. per usual. All right, Stephanie, set the stage for us here. What are we feeling? Mm. What are we seeing? What are we tasting? All right. First of all, we are squinting because of the sunshine. We are tasting the musk of lots of sweaty men in woolen three-piece <laughs> oh, suits. Oh, God, no, no, no. Because... No. <laughs> Yes, yes, because we are in Hollywood, it's the mid-1940s, and the now figurehead of surrealism, much to the chagrin of André Breton, is Salvador Dali. I don't want a fascist in my club, boo-hoo, boo-hoo. 
Breton, like Breton's in America now. Like he has to deal with fascism and, and people who are, you know, playing footsie with fascists. Get over it, Breton. Yeah, we have freedom the, of speech here. Yeah, okay? we got we got some freedom of speech. We're, we're we and here. we have a lot of trolls. <laughs> we have a lot of footsie fascist trolls. It's great. We love it here. You'll like it, leave. I, I wish I could. Anyway. <laughs> I wish they'd let me. They make it so hard to leave. Uh, okay, so right. I wish Don't... it was that easy. <laughs> right. Uh, okay. So <laughs> Dali is having his Hollywood moment. Okay, he did have one, in case you were wondering. Mm. Um, and he's working with Alfred Hitchcock for a layout and the design of a pivotal dream <laughs> sequence in the movie Spellbound. That does sound great, Stephanie. You did say Alfred Hitchcock, which sounds a lot like Hamhawk. So Hitchhawk? Hitchhawk. Is that what I said? <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'm just uncomfortable saying cock. Okay? It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, especially when, when you're on camera. Hitchhawk. Oh, oh, hey, oh. Uh, oh my God. Listeners are going to be a little weird because usually, like, we are, we are very aware there are cameras on us, and I don't like it's strange. We'll get used to it. I promise. I promise. That's why this is a Patreon episode. Sorry, patrons. You're a little test subjects. Also, don't you want to see this behind the scenes awkwardness? <laughs> a lot of this gets cut. So the sequence is nice, but it, it's too jarringly dolly. It's it's like when yeah. they put like like product placements in in films, you know, where the Pepsi logo is perfectly centered in in Mac and Me. <laughs> <laughs> the dance sequence is at McDonald's. <laughs> uh, dolly, um, he was even talking to Walt Disney and other fascists about what would become. Uh, I think it's called Destino, a short animation that Disney initially decided not to release. Uh, but I think it was like twenty ish years ago they. They ended up uh, releasing it. They ended up finishing it and releasing it. It's very Dolly. Very Dolly. Mm. And Disney. Yeah. No? Both? More, more, more Dolly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. And kind of anime now that they've redone it 20 years ago to kind of keep up with the kids. I'm very interested to see what that looks like. The kids love their animes. Okay. All right. So... <laughs> As World War II is wrapping up, Dragon Ball Z's people's eyes have They're once Ritos. again been open to the horror and suffering caused by war, um, and surrealism is now on the verge of becoming mainstream. Mm-hmm. Gross. Uh, just kidding. Uh, so generally, films like Hitchcock's uh, they <laughs> confront difficult subject matter and they become more and more commonplace. One such film was Albert Lewin's 1945's adaptation of Oscar Wilde's novel, Picture of Dorian Gray, which many of you have probably heard of, but if not, just know that it has a painting that is central to the entire story. Yeah, it was a talkie uh, that was originally (laughs) in black and white, except for the infamous painting uh, when it appeared on camera, they spliced in some Technicolor, 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 Um, (laughs) Technicolor, so that the most famous grotesque painting in the film could jar people in the audience and, you know, make them eat popcorn or snuggle up to their date or whatever. Right. So the movie was a hit. And to this day, it still has a positive rating on Rotten Tomatoes and INDB. And the director, Albert Lewin, thought, hey, people love that. So why mess with the recipe? Mm. So he's like, I'm going to do the exact same thing for my next movie. But this time, I'm going to choose a much lesser known book. Mm. (laughs) And instead of just commissioning a painting from an indie artist that was recommended to me, maybe, uh, we're going to have a little fun. We're going to have fun. We're going to hold a whole ass competition. And the artist winner will be featured in the film in glorious Technicolor. 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 And maybe I'll make their career. We'll see. 
who knows? I have that power, he said in my mind. <laughs> so the movie would be named The Private Affairs of Bellamy, mm. a sexier title for the 1885 novel Bellamy by Guy de Maupassant. Ma- Ma- Guy Muffin Pants. Guy, guy, <laughs> guy of Muffin Pants. <laughs> you can make muffins with Guy, right? Unrelated. Feeling bready. Okay, so... <laughs> All right, so of course there is a sexier movie poster as part of the promo mm-hmm. stating the history of the scoundrel yep. with a young woman, a young Angela Lansbury, actually. Oh, what? Clinging onto the whoa, pinstripe whoa, whoa, pants whoa, 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 of the main whoa, whoa, whoa. character. Murder she wrote? Angela Lansbury? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Very young. All right. And she's oh, cl- I see it. Oh, pinstripe sorry. clinging is what's <laughs> happening, and her bare shoulder is exposed. Oh. <gasps> <gasps> Spoiler alert, we, like, we tried to watch this. Oh. It, it, we tried to watch it on YouTube. It is a snoozer. Yeah. The movie did not recapture that picture of Dorian Gray magic. It, it, I don't think it was just our 21st century ADHD. Okay, it was <laughs> just like, th- this was not liked at the time of its release either. Right, right. But if you want to give it a try, it's available on YouTube in seven parts. Right. Thanks to user Wobble108. Shout, how- shout out. Shout, shout out Wobble108. Wobble as far as we can tell, the protagonist is a toxic pickup artist who, to quote the New York Times 1947 review, is a, quote, scoundrel. But what a monotonous prig. Prig, I had to look prig. this up. It, mean, it mean, basically means Puritan. <laughs> so a boring Puritan scoundrel, which is kind of what we deal with today everywhere. Okay. Uh, who offers up negging gems like love and marriage are two entirely different subjects, end quote. Basically, he <laughs> uses his sexual prowess. You can see it here. In the pant leg, I guess. Um, he kind of looks like Vincent Price, so I'm not really sure mm. how that's working out for him anyway. Uh, his wealth and excess. He uses his prowess, his wealth and excess to climb the Parisian social ladder, which like all dirt bags, includes collecting art for far less than it's worth so that you can make a profit on it one day. So this this movie's doomed, okay? But no one knows this yet. Ovs, we have the gift of hindsight. Uh, and the artists that will participate in said competition also don't know yet. They could also definitely use this money. Okay. So back to the competition. It would aptly be named the Bellamy International Art Competition. Okay. And you couldn't just sign up if you were wondering. You could. There was no list. Okay. You had to be specially invited. Mm. And 12 artists were, okay. including the artist that... Was in the original picture of Dorian Gray okay. movie. You painted the picture of Dorian Gray. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yes, which is kind of a slap in the face yeah. to him. Um, it's more it's more fun to make the starving artist dance for the Benjamins, I guess. Okay. Um, but anyway, since surrealists were all the rage, most of the artists invited were in fact surrealists. Yeah, and you think the original painter starts seeing the uh, the, the list, <laughs> the roster of artists that are going to be on it, and he's like, I'm not. I don't know how I fit in with this. I'm True. not surreal. It's like, what's going on here? True. But also, <laughs> each artist would get $500 for participating okay. and an additional 2500 if they were the winner. And I looked this up, listeners. Don't worry. Of course. $500 in today's money is $8,000. Fuck! And $49,000 for winning the oh competition. Oh, my God! Which is like a year's salary for mo- which is way more than a year's salary for a lot of people. But yeah. For- that's still that's still pretty good. And money, I think, bought more back then because houses were like 200 bucks. Yeah. These yeah. artists these artists wanted to compete in this. They were happy sure. to compete. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Slap together a painting real quick. Call right. it a day. Right. Um, 
But the artists would be given a very specific assignment and they would be judged on aesthetic quality Mm. along with how they interpreted the assignment. And, of course, there would be a panel of judges to ultimately decide the winning artist. All right. Let's meet our judges. Okay. So... This director, Albert Lewin, also never heard of him before now, he must have really been in the know or known someone in the know. Right. Because the panel consisted of Marcel Duchamp. Mark Hale. Mark Hale, famous chess player and art consultant, OG Dadaist, and Maria Marchin's boy toy. Then we have Alfred H. Barr, the first director of the Museum of Modern Art, the MoMA, in New York City. New York City. New York City who curated several influential shows in his career, including Fantastic Art, Dada, and Surrealism, which we just covered in Dorothea's episode. Mm -hmm. He also gave a big show to Diego Rivera and one to Charles Birchfield as well, just to name a few that we've covered on the show. Also, this is the first time I've seen his face. (laughs) This is not what I was picturing at all. Uh, He's uh, quite bookish. Yeah. Quite Quite bookish, yeah. yeah, I like it. I would cast him in a movie. He's approachable. He's approachable. Yeah. So his groundbreaking shows helped shape the way that modern art was viewed back then, and it's the way that we remember it now. So he's the second judge. (laughs) Last judge is Sidney Janis. Never heard of him. But he was an art collector and a gallery owner in New York City. New York City. New York City, who promoted the abstract expressionists as well as pop art. Um, Alfred H. Barr actually once said of him that he was, quote, the most brilliant New Dealer in terms of business acumen to have appeared in New York since the war. And this is his Oscar fo- photo, his Oscar headshot. <laughs> his headshot. Yeah. I don't know. Seems like a nice yeah. guy. I'm always down for um, an advocate of art, obviously. When he died, he bequeathed his huge ass collection of art to the MoMA. These judges also knew each other. And it seems like what they have in common is that they are definitely... Advocates for up-and-coming artists and new movements, showing the public that hates don't be afraid of this work. It's worth something. But we're the judges this time. Yeah. Yeah, so just forget about these people. (laughs) On to our first contestant, Ivan Albright. Albright is a returning champion of sorts. He was the man behind the titular picture for the director's name, who I forgot, picture of Dorian Gray. Ivan is not considered a surrealist. He didn't hang out in those surrealist circles like Remedios Varo. He is considered a magical realist. Mm. The big defining difference between the two being that surrealism will introduce the weirdness through certain sublimity or randomness Mm -hmm. without a meaning tethered to it necessarily. Whereas magical realism may be just as weird, but within that magical reality, there is an explanation for that weirdness. Love it. Ivan was a prominent name in American art circles from the 30s to 40s, but like most representational artists, he was kind of forgotten about amidst the uh, abstraction craze of the 1950s. We, I guess we were not familiar with Albright's work at all, but Mm -hmm. definitely, definitely very happy to be introduced to him. Ivan's father was actually a commercially successful artist, and Ivan really pushed against that, as you can see. People are not going to be lining up to get family portraits from Ivan. These are densely painted portraits of people in what can only be described as slow and painful, gradual declines into the grave. <laughs> like dying of petty excesses too, like not something tragic. It's all self-inflicted. Like, like decades of uh, breakfast gin fizzies uh, and, and quaaludes, okay? <laughs> 
which is why this lady looks exactly like Boris Johnson. <laughs> uh, just some serious, unflattering I mean, shadows. God damn. I, I've never seen this person's work. Obviously, I'm in love. I love the low contrast. <laughs> I love the unflattering shadows. I love the darkness. I love the thick, disgusting paint. I, I love it. I love it. I don't know how he escaped uh, being mentioned in the art history canon. I really don't. These portraits are incredible. Uh, yeah, the the little trombolet looking stilisto. Yeah, yeah, they're amazing. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I, I, it's like a, a dark Lucian Freud or something. He's amazing. Yes, and might I throw in psychedelic. A little bit psychedelic, too. At times. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, second contestant, we have Eugene Berman. And I see Russell is being cute, and he replaced Eugene Berman's headshot with Eugene Merman's. Eugene Merman, yeah. Voice of, oh my God. Gene. Gene Belcher Mm, from Bob, Bob's Burgers. Yeah, Bob's Burgers. All right, so Berman, Berman. Not Merman. Fled the Russian Revolution in 1918 to Paris. Already don't like it. He sounds like he's kind of simping for czars. Okay. You know? All right, well, Eugene Berman is actually better known for his collaboration with his brother, Leonid they were known as the Berman Brothers, Berman and they Bros, worked yeah. <laughs> the B Bros. The B Bros. Uh, they worked together on stage uh, for designing of ballets and opera sets. Mm. They were known to be very baroque in mm. their design, um, but they were also known as neo romantic, basically new romantic painters with some surrealist influences. So yeah, a little a little surrealist zest, right? <laughs> Eugene's yeah. work is well done. Mm-hmm. It is highly, highly, highly illustrative. These feel like they are maybe like covers of fantasy novels, which, mm-hmm. you know, I don't really mean that despairingly. <laughs> it might seem like I do. Uh, it, it is a very serious skill to master. Mm-hmm. But honestly, the sampling we have here, all of the work is is a little bit overkill for my tastes. Like, they are very Max Ernst or even Ivan Albright in their level of overloaded detail, but they never pull back and kind of like, wow, you... Like with a bizarre, unexpected Mm. color or or a bizarre, like spatial thing that's happening. It's all kind of just like nothing stands out. It's all kind of like the same amount of noise, same amount of color, same amount of everything. So like nothing stands out. But that being said, I think that that might be on purpose. If he's used to making stage sets, you don't want the stage to stand out too much. It's the distracting for a stage set, though. Like you'd just be staring at the stage set. Okay, I don't know. I was trying to throw him a bone. <laughs> Maybe you're right. Um, but it's good work. It's good work. Don't give it. Uh-huh. Don't get it twisted. Yeah, definitely yeah. craft wise, absolutely. And that's all. I mean, you're describing romanticism, basically. Yeah. Very grand and and romantic. Absolutely. Right. I really like it. Um, personally. Yeah. Um, no, they're good work. There's some good works in here. I think it's a fantasy uh, element for me, mm-hmm. as in like imaginative out of a book, not a sci-fi book. Mm. Contestant number three. <laughs> We have our favorite old classic, Leonora Carrington, Mm. okay, hyena queen. Mm. At this time, she is well settled in Mexico, and this is the same year that she would go on to make The House Opposite, which we covered in episodes five and seven. Which, if I'm not mistaken, this is an interesting time for Mm Elsie. The House Opposite was kind of one of those early paintings where you can see she is gradually changing her style a bit looking a little bit less indebted to the Paris Surrealists and maybe Mm -hmm. more influenced by, honestly, artists like Giotto, um, things are breathing more. Mm -hmm. There are more competing paint movements like translucency versus opacity, more experimentation with mixed mediums. 
And she is really coming into something that is more her own. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. And this is the start of my favorite time period of Elsie's work Same. as well. Uh, we will have to see if her painting lives up to that description, though. Ooh. Ooh. A little, a little teaser. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Contestant numero cuatro. Cuatro. All right. So another artist that probably mm. doesn't need an introduction, Salvador Dali, your fave, yeah. Russell. Um, you could ask anyone on the street to name three artists, and one of them would absolutely, probably, almost certainly be Salvador Dali. Mm. All the traits you love, that Renaissance technical skill with over-the-top imagery, whoa, whoa, look out. Look out, yeah. This is uh, <laughs> about the time Dali would enter his nuclear mysticism phase, he called it, where he really? doubled down on his technical prowess. And <laughs> he allegedly started to meld ideas of the unconscious with the scientific. Mm-hmm. You know, it's no surprise here uh, for longtime listeners of Art Slice. I'm not a fan of one Salvador Dali. Um, I don't know exactly what to pin my general dislike of Dali on. It's there are a lot of things I could choose from. <laughs> One thing, uh, at minimum, he was fascist curious. Uh, he's oversaturated in our visual culture, and he just he was he got insufferable as he aged. He just became more and more insufferable. Also, the mustache. I, I also think in his work, he leaves no room for feeling, mm-hmm. no room for openness. Almost like uh, Eugene Merman, he just keeps hitting you over the head with things after symbols after things after symbols, and you never really have a chance to to really digest it. Mm-hmm. It's just like he's he's flexing. He's like, look at this muscle, yeah. look at this muscle, look at this muscle, Facts. and I just. Uh, I get over it so quickly. Some of them I like. Like this one I like, but uh, I don't know. That one's a little bit more pulled back. It's a bit much. It's a bit much. So we're going to move on right. to contestant number five. We have Paul Delvaux. Delvaux. Okay. Paul Delvaux, like Rene Magritte, he was a Belgian painter loosely linked to the Surrealists. He was also a huge fan of Daddy de Chirico, once again, as you can see from all of these train pictures. <laughs> With uh, Daddy de Chirico, I realized what was possible. The climate that had to be developed, the climate of the silent streets with the shadows of people who can't be seen, dot, 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 end quote. And what can be seen are a lot of naked ladies. Yes. A lot of naked ladies. Despite the naked ladies, like I, I do think these paintings are pretty interesting. They're very similar to Magritte. Definitely, once again, see the daddy influence mm-hmm. uh, in the way that they handle the paints. Uh, but they lead you more than those two artists do. No, there's something interesting, and I yeah. want I want to keep looking. But there is also that sense of dread, not just because of the topless ladies near a bunch of like iron and metal. Yeah, uh- <laughs> well, maybe it's just a really hot night. You know, they're trying to cool off. Maybe we're being a little too judgy. You're right. Free the nip. Yeah. So- <laughs> Yes, you're right. Yeah. I should not be a prig. Thank you. Yeah, you're being a prig. I'm being a prig. Don't be a prig. I should not be a prig. <laughs> pew, pew. Okay. All right. Moving on to contestant number six. Contestant number six and reoccurring character on Art Slice. He wears a matching fur coat with Marcel Duchamp. He was a founding Dada of Daddy and Surrealism. Daddy, daughter, okay. He would read Freud to André Breton as a little bedtime story. Uh, he, he was a former lover of Lenore Feeney, Lenore Carrington, the former trophy husband of Peggy Guggenheim, now the life partner of Dorothea Tanning. What can I say? He got around and stealer of dirgly, ugly mop dogs everywhere, Max Ernst. <laughs> I totally see why you said that Eugene Berman's work was very similar in detail. Max went through a lot of different phases. He had a long career. I mean, what can you say about the guy? He makes incredibly detailed and complex paintings that it feels like they should be a little bit too much. 
like they're veering towards once again that 70s heavy metal <laughs> magazine cover artwork right but then he he does know yeah. how to pull it back unlike mm-hmm. Berman I think and, and the, it really lets the work breathe mm-hmm. like right now that that red next to that blue it's just like a shape with that what, what is that like decalcomania or something ah uh, decalcomania yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 and it really it, it flattens the space and it, it really opens it up to the more illusionary space mm-hmm. so he also avoids becoming cliche like I think Dolly does. He's always an artist I feel like I wouldn't be into normally, but every time I find his work, I find something I really like about it. That's funny because yeah. I'm like the opposite. I was kind of like, <laughs> like, but he's grown on me. He's okay. grown on me. Like I stayed away from him, his work, obviously not the yeah. ghost of Max Ernst. Yeah. Um, I stayed away from him at the Guggenheim because there's always a huge crowd of people around his work. Mm. And That's I like just... his best painting though, the one in the Guggenheim. Yeah, I can see why. Yeah. I can see why people are crazy about it, and it's just a bit much. It's just, it's just in my nature to stay away from the crowd, you know. <laughs> um, but I can definitely see though why that is one of his best known paintings, mm-hmm. and I think he's definitely going to be a strong contestant. All right, contestant number siete, we have would have had Leonor Fini. <laughs> okay, Leonor Fini who makes these beautiful but unnerving dollhouse-looking surrealist works um, with women in these positions of power. Dommy. I'm not yeah. going to say almost. Definitely Dommy. Uh, <laughs> she buckled against the surrealist idea of the femme en font. And, and made them pay for it. With, with her with her dominus. There's, <laughs> there's also a ton of space in her work, which adds to that creepy vib, right? Mm-hmm. That beautiful color. I, I just love Lenore Fini's work so much. She's mm-hmm. definitely a very strong contestant, and I can see her walking away with this prize very easily, Stephanie. None right. of this matters because she turned it down. She was too good for she it. She said no. She yeah. walked away. Right. Walked away. She's I don't like, need the money. I have too many cats. I have too many lovers. Got too many lovers. I have a life. Okay. (laughs) They make the money for me. I'm actually, I'm a financial dom. Also, I don't want to paint the saint I've never heard of. Right. I want to paint a male saint. Gross. Just kidding. Don't know about any of that. All I know, all we know, we're speculating. She walked away. She said, no, thank you. Mm. No, gracias. Picture picture the uh, SpongeBob conch toy with the... No, okay. (laughs) Contestant... Number eight, we have Osvaldo Luis Guglielmi. He was born in Egypt. He immigrated with his father from Milan, Italy to New York City, New York York City. City. He was uh, greatly impacted by the Great Depression and began to work for the WPA in the 1930s, where his work shifted to the struggles of everyday people, a lot like Diego Rivera, often offering up communism as this like potential solution to the inequality that would kill people every day. Like he was mm-hmm. watching all these people die. He also became influenced by the Surrealists, saying that it was the best way to speak of the decaying society in mm-hmm. which we lived, mm-hmm. uh, to paraphrase him. He was also one of three American artists who were known as the social surrealists, which fused Depression era social realism with surrealism. He changed his style frequently through the years. He would make work kind of intermittently, and he he also died relatively young, I think in his mid-50s. So there isn't really like a huge sample size of his work, and it does, like, like I said, change quite frequently. But this period of time in his work, he almost has like kind of a regionalistic uh, look to his work, but mm-hmm. it's it's weirder, mm-hmm. it's dreamier. So you do kind of see that surrealist influence. Contestant number nine, we have Horace Pippin, who deserves an episode all on his yeah. own. He has such a unique story and makes some really haunting work. 
Horace is the only artist on this roster who, first of all, is a person of color. Uh, second of all, is completely untrained. So not even untraditionally trained like Dorothea Tanning or Max Ernst. He's also not aligned with the Surrealists at all. Yeah, Horace's right arm was injured in World War One. Well, he was actually a fighter in the famous uh, Harlem Hellfighters or the, or the Black Rattlers. Ooh. Okay, and while he had always had like an interest in art, even from an early age, it wasn't until after the war that he began to paint to help kind of rehabilitate his arm. Mm. So since his arm was injured, he would use his arm, his left arm, to prop it up and help him paint his paintings, which just kind of lends a nice quality to his work, a little oh, bit gosh. of an outsider artist quality. Art schools at this time probably wouldn't have accepted Horace into an art school. Maybe even today, he wouldn't get accepted into a lot of art schools because of his, the sort of weird quality to his work. Mm-hmm. But to me, like the, his works totally work. Like the mood, the content, the color, just how imaginative they are and the quality of them. It's one of those things that you know kind of intuitively by just looking at them that, you know, this is actually really high quality work. Definitely. And we may never have known about Horace at all if Alfred H. Barr had not discovered his paintings. Right. He was interested in in giving these artists that were, you know, different from the art history canon a platform. And I think, like, obviously art history is better for Mr. Barr. (laughs) <laughs> and artists like Pippin, though, because if artists like Horace Pippin weren't around, then Alfred H. Barr would have nothing to show. That's true. Very <laughs> true. Next contestant. What number are we on, Steph? Ten. Ten. Albert Ratner. Albert? No. Abraham Ratner, another artist who does not fit in cleanly with these other more true surrealists. Abraham lived in Paris after World War One, trying on different kind of artist hats, you know. His work reminds us a little bit of a combination of like maybe a little bit of Edvard Munch and the German expressionist Max Beckman, mm-hmm. although more flat, a little bit more cubist, a little bit more almost like stained glass window. <laughs> Mm-hmm. This is definitely not my favorite type of work. I think he's holding on to a little too much of that cubism. It's almost it almost looks like if Vasily Kandinsky decided to stay figurative. Like I think the black oh. lines kind of bring his work down a little bit for me. Like okay. they just keep it really flat. I wish he'd kind of and heavy. Yeah, fluctuate away from that a yeah. bit. Mm-hmm. That way, when it did show up, it would be more powerful. But he, you know, we said stained glass. He has a stunning synagogue stained glass installation that is just beautiful yes he would made it maybe would have been better served doing more work like this contestant number 11 mm. we have stanley spencer again not a surrealist um he is another artist who needs his own full episode to yeah. unpack He's, yeah. his history and his work He's a very, very talented painter. Uh, Stanley's probably most well known for his Sandum Memorial Chapel paintings or his shipbuilding on the Clyde murals. Very Diego-esque mm-hmm. in his level of detail and kind of multitude of figures interacting with one another. Yeah. He was also incredibly religious, sort of. His, <laughs> <laughs> his series of Jesus listeners. His series of Jesus. G- okay. We don't. We do not have time for it. Maybe we'll be able to work it into like into a. We'll be able to work it into a second slice one sure. day. One day. So he was religious, but also very horny. Okay, so he <laughs> painted a lot of naked folks, and he left his wife for a woman who he was enamored with and who he wanted to paint in the nude, which he did. He went on to do that, but he also it was it was a weird situation where she seems totally not jazzed, and so he injects his own nude self portrait into the composition, but it's kind of like in a different space, like it's kind of collaged it's into it. Really awkward. Um, very disjointed 
the whole problem there was that she was not into men. She liked ladies and they never actually lived together. They just kind of, you know, yeah, that's all. That was, that, that was it. That was it. Yeah, she wasn't into. She, <laughs> she wasn't into it. So, so these paintings are maybe more surreal than what Stanley <laughs> was aware of. <laughs> yeah, not by choice. Uh, yeah, talented painter though. Contestant number twelve, and finally we have Dorothea Tanny, yeah. who we just lost two months of our lives to, yeah. and who we covered for a full ass episode and a half. So there is not really much else we can say about her. Go listen to those. Please. Go listen to the second slice. Go listen to the full episode. Go. Yeah. There's a lot on her from us specifically. You need an intro. Yeah. There you go. All right. So back to the competition. There were rules. You couldn't just submit whatever you wanted. So first of all, the painting should be about 36 by 48 inches so that it could fit into the scene. It had to be about St. Anthony, not just St. Anthony, the temptation of St. Anthony. Okay. Uh, maybe that's some analogy for Mr. Bellamy Okay. somehow. He's tempted by all those loose women throwing themselves at him. Foreshadow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so what's so interesting about this assignment is that there's actually a pretty rich history of mm. depictions of Sant'Antonio in Art Historio. Okay. Yeah. Her, oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Took so, me a second. <laughs> Art Historio. Okay. <laughs> Made it up. Uh, all right. So we know all about the artists in the competition. We know the judges. We have a vague idea about the movie. But who... Who is St. Anthony? Who? Okay. Anthony the Great, not to be confused with St. Anthony of Padua, two different saints, okay? Sure. Anthony was born a rich boy in the year 251, post-BBJ, in Ah. coma... (laughs) Yeah. In coma, Egypt, to wealthy landowner parents. When they died, he was young, like he couldn't buy cigarettes or drink, at least in America. Um, But it was just him and his unwed sister, older sister. And being the only male, it's likely that he inherited everything. Mm. Um, And then one day he felt inspired by a passage. Well, I mean, it was it was a religious like Facebook meme that he saw. So, like like a religious Shiba Inu Facebook meme <laughs> that a, a boomer makes not quite understanding the whole context, the whole background. Um, Or someone made it ironically. <laughs> I could see a little bit of both. No, no. Okay. All right. So, the passage that so inspired Anthony was Matthew 19, 21. Quote, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven, end quote. Okay. True story. Look it up. And he did just that. Okay, St. Anthony. Well, I guess he's not a saint yet. Anthony gave away some land to his neighbors. He sold what was left. He donated the funds to the poor. Oh, oh, but but what about his sister? What about his sister, you might be wondering? Well, he gave her away to, quote, Christian virgins. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's like a Cinemax film I don't want to watch. <laughs> All right, so we're going to talk about a little bit of those depictions throughout our history, and mm. we're starting with this one. Okay. Artist Unknown, St. Anthony and the Lobster Devil, okay. circa 1470. Illustration is part of the Golden Legend by Jacobus <laughs> de Voragine. Oh, my God. Started in 1228. So... 
<laughs> we got some medieval goodness mm. here. Um, getting some like Jado deja vu. So we mm. got a wonky landscape. We have some hills. We have some cliffs. We have some trees. They're all collapsing yeah. in on the figures in the foreground. I notice you're not talking about the uh, demon tongue penises, tail penises. I, I, w- I wasn't there yet. Okay, okay. <laughs> Didn't want you to just brush on by that. Nope. Okay. No, I don't think I was going to. Okay. So, yeah. So, thank you. So, we have some truly terrifying demons mm-hmm. with second faces and their abdomens and their tongues are probably also doubling as their yeah. penises. Yeah. Um, one of the demons is dancing on St. Anthony, like, very sassily, like, hey. <laughs> hey. He really is, yeah. <laughs> um, others His tummy are... seems to be asleep, though, so. A sleepy yeah. tummy, yes. <laughs> Others are poking St. Anthony uh, with golden skewers, right. and we can tell who St. Anthony is right. because he has that distinguishing medieval halo. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you want to <laughs> tell me a little bit more about some things that caught I your just, eye. Yeah, I just airdropped you. Yeah, you do. Oh, uh, all turn, right. turn the volume way up. I'm scared. Why would you be scared? <laughs> Do you like the skateboarding and the snowboarding? I was. <laughs> um, that was great. Um, I'm gonna be thinking about that probably for the rest of the day. Did you get the, it? Was the, it was the rock the rock lobster song? Yeah, by Botch. I covered by Botch. <laughs> I Were you it. expecting the lobster on the snowboard? Uh no. Okay. Definitely not. Okay. Definitely not. The said lobster with golden hairs on its buttocks, by the way. We didn't mention that. Okay. Next up, we have St. Anthony beaten by the devils Mm -hmm. by Stefano Di Giovanni, circa 1430-32. We don't know what dimensions or what media this is. It's probably tempera on panel. Let's talk about this guy. So if you didn't notice, the halo on St. Anthony... We can identify him by the T-cross, which looks like a cane to me. We also have some demons with bats whacking St. Anthony. But then there's another demon with two snakes. Okay. And they seem to have some kind of flames coming out of their bodies. He's whacking him with snakes. Two of them. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Petrified. Okay. Petrified snakes. Um, They're grabbing St. Anthony's hair, I see. (laughs) Yeah. So he looks bald to me, Which, so I'm a little confused. Uh, yeah, I don't know where that hair is coming from. Okay. Don't know. Bald with a ponytail. And <laughs> he's got a side ponytail. I like how he's just looking straight at us. Do you like? Do you see this shit? Help. Help me. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I feel like he is really missing an opportunity to stick that cane into one of the demon's flaming orifices. Yeah, the, the face butts. Yeah. Yeah. There's a smiley 
smiley smiley face on one Medieval of the demons. Medieval people were very <laughs> obsessed with butts, huh? A lot of butts and a lot of whacking. This yeah. is what's going on here. Um, <laughs> everything's really nicely rendered. Still kind of that wonky medieval landscape. St. Anthony's still getting his, his butt kicked it's here. his comeuppance. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Moving right along. So we have here Temptation of St. Anthony Abbott by Master of Observanza, Master of Observance. Uh, it is from circa 1435 and we have tempera and gold on panel. So I've never heard of this painter before, but I'm really digging his work. I really dig the fisheye perspective uh, of the landscape, which is full of trees. And then a little closer to us, we have some sandy looking hills that look like, honestly, like they're in landslide danger. Mm. And then we have a little structure. It's kind of reddish, terracotta, salmon colored, medieval wonky. Think of Giotto's buildings. Um, yeah, the window's up too high. It's very strange, the placement of that window. That's not an egress window. No. No, it's not. Like it's yeah. it's a little wonky. It's charming. It's charming. So St. Anthony's outside, he's about he's making his way in. And then there's someone like, you better not go in there. You better not go in there. Like arms crossed. You better not go in there. And he's just like, shut the fuck up. Get away from me. Hand. The hand's like, please. Yeah. Please, miss. Please. Please. Um <laughs> I'm walking very slowly to my home barefoot. <laughs> Right. Um, so originally, I thought this figure is female, a female figure. I thought mm. she was an angel. But right. upon closer inspection, I noticed that the wings are like little dragon wings. Right, right. <laughs> and she's got a slit in her dress, which I don't think an angel would have. Oh, yeah. oh, you're right. It's too alluring. Definitely a temptress. Right. A hallucinatory temptress. That's a lot of leg. That's a lot got of leg hip. thigh. Got a hip. Got some hip in there. Um, yeah, so same thing. He's got that halo. We know who's who. He's got that T-shaped cross, and yep. he's just trying to run away into the overpriced condo. All right. Next, we have another work by the Master of Observance. Uh, St. Anthony Abbott, tempted by a heap of gold okay. from circa 1435. Okay. Also, tempera and gold on panel. All right. So we still have that fisheye perspective in the background. We mm. have... Um, like a desert, hilly background. We have a coral pink church with a steeple, and it's partially obscured by the swirly sandy hill. Is that the same? Tr- is this if yes. that's the same church that he was entering? He was he was entering the foyer of that church in the previous I painting. Don't know. Same color, but you know same, what? Same non egress windows. That makes sense. He would yeah. be running to the church to to flee the hallucinations. Right. That's a good point. Of course. So it looks like now he's he's ventured away from the church and again he's being tempted. So he's on this path coming towards us and we have St. Anthony in the foreground and he's looking down like legit that's yeah. the look. His little um, eyes are bugging out. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. Very comical. Yeah. <laughs> Someone's squeezing him too hard. Uh, <laughs> uh so he's looking down, you follow his eyesight yeah. and capybara. Uh, <laughs> Looking at a capybara, I would be too. Oh, you're right. It's like, what's that, I doing here? It looks like a mini capybara. Yes. Yeah. Um, but His eyesight's bad, so he had to, you know, go a little bit forward. <laughs> so he's looking down at what you would think would be that furry animal. However, if you look really close and if you squint your eyes, you can see like a faint outline of where the pile oh. of gold reference in the title uh, used to be. So right. it was scraped off at some point. Yeah. Yeah. So it's actually, pr- I think this sticky is Sticky fingers. Someone had sticky sticky gold, pa- gold paws. <laughs> <laughs> Next, we have... St. <laughs> Anthony Tormented by Demons by Martin Sean Gower. It oh is an engraving God. from 1470 to 74. Okay. 
There is no distinguishing Halo. Okay, which is interesting. But we do have a tear or an anime sweat bead Mm. and a resigned expression as a mob of demons attacks him with their bare claws or with sticks. So Shonkar depicted these imagined creatures with like such amazing detail. And partially it's because of the engraving. This is a print. So he was able to get that crazy amount of detail, which makes the monsters super realistic. Like he's on point with the textures Mm -hmm. of the demons and their anatomy and that righteous butthole. It is in flames, (laughs) which St. Anthony apparently is the patron saint of skin conditions. I don't, I guess past the skin condition. That's part of your skin. Uh, yeah, yeah. I guess so. Um, At least the exterior. <laughs> Maybe that's why they're coming after him. Like, Heal hey, me. I need help. Heal hey. me. Oh my God. Okay. That was my demon voice. <laughs> All right. So that being said, this kind of shit, this freaky detail, yeah. um, plus his talent, obviously Martin Schongauer artist is very talented and this made for some fantastical fucking work um, which made him one of the most influential artists in printmaking Mm. ever so not only did he inspire fellow German printmaker Albert Dürer aka German Jesus Mm. uh, but he also inspired a certain young Italian artist 700 miles away okay which brings us to our next St. Anthony depiction we have same painting oh go on (laughs) Uh, so we have The Torment of St. Anthony by okay. Michelangelo Buonarroti. Let's get some fan art. So, <laughs> yeah, actually. Okay. Uh, circa 1487-1488, oil and temper on panel. Little Michelangelo was inspired by old Martin. Okay, you can say that Michelangelo brought Technicolor to Martin's original vision. Mm. Okay, and I... Yeah, so I suddenly see that righteous butthole now. It's in color. And I notice that there are eyes and whiskers. It is less detailed, though, which I do appreciate. <laughs> uh, I got wa- Okay, I'm not even going to get don't it. Don't look at it. Okay. Don't look at it. Um, I can't look away from it now. Especially <laughs> now it's in color. It has eyes. It has eyes. <laughs> he brought Technicolor to the vision, uh, but he also brought out, or he added some new things. So he added a landscape at the bottom, which Mm. is the Arno River Valley, which is where Florence is located. He also added fish scales to one of the demons, the one on the top left. There's a story out there saying that he went down to the fish market to to study um, said fish scales for the painting. So this is actually the earliest known painting by Michelangelo. He was about 20, 20. (laughs) He was about 12 or 13 years old. And it goes without saying that the technical skill and imagination is, I mean, it's mind boggling. I guess your kid could have painted this if you only have that to do. If you are only learning how to paint pretty. If that's all you're doing all day. Yes. Kid could do that. Maybe. This is also only one of four surviving paintings because, you know, he became a sculptor and all that. (laughs) Uh, Later in life, he actually shit talked oil painting. It's really funny. Yeah. Michelangelo. He's like, it's a bit fussy. I don't know. It is a little bit fussy. (laughs) Fussier than marble. Way fussier than marble. Yeah. Yeah. Less physical, but more. Yeah. More, more fussy for sure. No, that was me being sarcastic. Oh. Yeah. I I would think marble would be so much more fussy. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I haven't done that, so I can't speak to that. But anyway, I have a little quick side-by-side mm. here. Um, really impressive. I prefer the print. The I'm print? Yeah. I do, too. Yeah. I do, too. Sorry, Michelangelo. I prefer my buttholes in black and white. One. Next. Okay, so next we have Hieronymus Bosch. Of course. We've all heard of him. Sure. From the uh, 15th century. So he has several 
Temptation of St. Anthony works. Okay, so we're just going to breeze by a couple of them. Mm -hmm. So we have this one called the Hermit Saints. So it's St. Anthony on the left and then two other saints, which I don't remember. There's a lot going on, even in just that one side panel. We have like a nun's head on the ground and there is some kind of animal maneuvering that said nun's nun's head. All kinds of like little creatures, even like next to that one, that are just like fucking. The nun has feet. Does she have feet? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. That's what's under that habit. It's just like a set of feet. Just (laughs) feet. Just feet and a head. Uh, All right. So next one is this is actually the temptation of Saint Anthony. So this is a whole ass triptych, just about Saint Anthony's temptations. So it's very colorful. We have like a blue sky. There's a lot of reds. There's a lot of terracottas. There's a lot going on. There's stuff in the sky. More buildings burning course we have butts we have even weirder creatures like you have like a fish with hands and it's like hollowed out and there's like a human inside of yep. it of course submarine just very submarine. <laughs> very just very imaginative it's like super meta so just just a few highlights from that one but the one we're going to talk about <laughs> is this third bosch okay the temptations of saint anthony from 1510 to 1515 okay oil on oak panel i see a pig there's patron saint of pigs Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So let's talk about it. So this one, before I get into it, I'm just going to preface this. So mm. this one is attributed to Bosch. Um, there have been some that have been, I don't say demoted, but like have been proven to not be by Bosch and by a follower. Um, this one is said to be by Bosch, which uh, personal opinion, I have I have a hard time with that. Uh, so we'll talk about it. So we have St. Anthony crouching, like his little little hands are like this. Mm. He's in prayer. And Very bad posture. Almost... <laughs> Yeah. He's almost in tears. Yeah, he's almost in the fetal position and he's pleading with his eyes that this madness ends, right? So let's talk about the madness surrounding it him. It's very serene. There are Yeah, right? Yeah. Very seems very quiet, very Especially serene. Especially for Bosch. But if you squint, y'all, if you squint a little harder, you can see what may I mean, be tormenting him. Someone's like watering a tree. <laughs> yes, yeah, so you have a picture of water being yeah. uh emptied into mm-hmm. the grass um some little creatures are doing that the little piggy that you described russell mm-hmm. he's about to get his head smashed in by some oh he is some uh, strange creature i yeah. just, I can't make out what it is a, other than like it a, has arms and it, it has a mallet it's a castle body but it's small there's somebody yeah castle body there's somebody drowning right in front of him mm. in this uh windy river that actually goes throughout the composition he is a fish person though this person so he's what presumably he's pretty good there <laughs> Forgive me, I, this does not seem like Bosch to me. Like, compared to the two we just talked about, yeah. which were earlier than this, where's the nun's head? I would feel like that'd be repeating. Also, no nudity. Mm. There is no nudity in this. Bosch was not here. <laughs> well, I mean, who's, maybe the patron who commissioned it wanted a little tamer work. Facts. Yeah. That is true. But you're right. It's missing. Uh, there are other things, too. Like, it doesn't really feel like there's not like those Bosch bodies, those like elongated Bosch bodies. Right. And yeah. also the color palette. This is very earth tone. Smoother. It's, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just it's, it's just so quiet. And in, the, in that way, I guess you could say it's more sinister. I really like, like this. Yeah. You do? Yeah. I really like this painting a lot. It's an interesting composition. Mm-hmm. I'll give you that. But it is not Bosch. Let's just rename it something else. That's all. That's my only issue. Okay. Hot take. <laughs> Hot take. Yeah. yeah. Stephanie without any sort of carbon dating or <laughs> yeah, no, just, any just sort me. of science backing her up. It's just me and my observant. Just the eye, the old eye test. The old Stephanie eye test. It's a gift and a curse, Russell, to be yeah. this observant. Sure. Okay. <laughs> I'm wearing the same shirt. I just put a flannel on because I was worried I was going to get cold. 
that's where we're at vis-a-vis my my shirt. All right. Okay. I will just have to deal with it. Yeah, I guess so. All right. Okay. Let's continue on our St. Anthony um, journey. Uh, uh, listeners, on to the competition. Le we, we are your judges on the great semi-surrealist bake-off, paint-off. What are we? Paint a paint off. A paint off. A paint off. <laughs> I don't know like that. Who's doing the English accents now? Uh, it's Stephanie. That's right. Me. I can't take all the heat. No. <laughs> okay. Let's go. Come on. What are we waiting for? <gasps> oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> no. <laughs> Why? Why did you make what? me that guy? <laughs> what guy? Uh, I'm all of them except wait, for we... <laughs> yeah. I thought. The... <laughs> <laughs> you thought you were what's his face? I thought that. it was an amalgamation of both of us. No, nope. um, <laughs> you're just you're just prude or whatever her name is Prue Peru. I love this. Yeah. I love this so much. Um, cool. How do you like this more than the Rock Lobster? Anyway, anyway, anyway. What? So much time on the Rock Lobster video, and you you're just like you giggled slightly at it. Um, and this you're laughing big Rock time. Rock Lobster did not have you in a shag right. wig. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. All right. Okay, listeners, we're going to get into these works. We're going to rank and judge them as we go using a tier maker, which, you know, made us log into our defunct Twitter account. Not too happy about that. Guess guess they're not on the, the Mastodon train no. yet. Okay. We're too cool. We're <laughs> ahead of the curve. We're so cool with our four followers. Actually, I don't think we have any followers. You can jump <laughs> on this as well. We will provide a link and judge yourself. We would love to see it. And you do not need to log on to Twitter to do that. Mm-hmm. And share with us your rankings, okay? Because we want to see who you would choose yes. as the winner. We, we want, want to, to see that. Yeah, we yeah. care about your opinion. All right, first up, Ivan Albright. We have a work here with the aptly titled The Temptation of St. Anthony, mm. Oil on Canvas, and I'm like 99% sure all of the paintings we're discussing today uh, at the, from this point forward are named The Temptation of St. Anthony. Checks out. Um, and they were all painted from 1945 to 1947. Okay. Um, okay, so back to this work. Mm, don't know where to start. <laughs> you don't know, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Throw, um, throw like a... Uh, something at it. <laughs> Start there. <laughs> I immediately I'm getting like wrestling match with some okay. pizza thrown in. Some che- a cheesy all the toppings. All a right. cheesy wrestling yeah. match. Yes. Oh, magma, uh, cheese, nipple tassels. <laughs> there's like uh, so, some geckos in here. Yeah, there's some barking chihuahuas. Some bar- <laughs> um, uh, there's like uh, what are those things you grab onto at the at the bouldering gyms? Oh my god, the colorful bouldering gyms. The the rock the I don't know Fake rocks, the, the don't plastic. Know. It's like or... no 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 nothing you climb in life has those. <laughs> They're right. like training wheels. Yeah, I feel like exactly. Um, but you know what? I said cheese, and these the figures are purple. The hallucinations, the the sexy females. Are, I mean, you know what I mean. <laughs> They're purple. Uh, so purple and cheese reminds me of Chuck E. Cheese. Okay. So this. To me, is like a nightmare version of Chuck E. Cheese, <laughs> where the robots are attacking you. Yeah, They've all I can see grown that. insane muscles, and they are going to attack you. So it does look like you know the middle of a ride at like Disney World, and like the animatronics. Yeah, come I'm getting you. like yeah. cave, like r- cave vibes. You're in the you know? the, ma- the magma river. The magma river. There's an old prospector. The... I'm not gonna do it. Okay. 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 Very, <laughs> very hack. Uh so yeah, insane demons are coming, are pouring in. Right. The, right, the Chihuahua form. 
gecko form. Mm-hmm. It's it's a lot. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. A lot's going on. Yeah, you never know. They could be, you know, demons or they're in all sorts of things. Geckos, they, chihuahuas. They possess all sorts yeah. of things. Yeah. Uh, rock walls. <laughs> rock walls. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, all right. Orange magma pouring in. Mm-hmm. The two lustful, I guess Stephanie thinks they're attractive, blue women are are shredding St. Anthony's burlap robe, <laughs> trying trying to rip him in half as well, it seems like. Okay, they're fighting over him. It's too sexy because he goes to this gym, I guess. He's pretty cut. <laughs> Uh, once again, uh, Albright here, he's playing with low contrast compositions, mm-hmm. which I fucking love. Mm-hmm. Not as low contrast as his other works because there is that magma pop of orange that mm-hmm. kind of brightens everything up. Love it. Br- brightens it up for a second. Uh, <laughs> but they still kind of sit at the same value, even despite mm-hmm. some areas being a little bit more colorful. Mm-hmm. Okay. Every nook and cranny of this composition is just like we said, is filled with something. Yes. And then that uh, that color plays into that flattened perspective. Mm-hmm. So basically, all of the things in this painting—the value, the low contrast, the horror vacuey compositions—create <laughs> this just insane claustrophobia. Yeah, I could keep looking for ages. Um, there's like a lot of other shit that I can't quite make out if I just right. glance at it, and I'm okay with that. I don't think I need to know <laughs> what's in every like nook. And cranny because this is like a dark okay this is like a dark version of Lisa Frank like dark Lisa yeah. Frank like it's, it's meant yeah, to yeah, be yeah, yeah, overwhelming yeah. yeah so this is a more grotesque version of all that mm-hmm. definitely and I think a part of that too is the thick paint you can tell this is like laid on there laid on mm-hmm. thick and just this packed composition actually reminds me of Lucian Freud mm-hmm. a little bit or Michelangelo's lumpy muscular figures okay right because they're I all see that. So let's let's place it. Let's place it on the tear maker. Okay. <laughs> okay. First of all, though, we asked you all for some instant feedback from these works on Instagram. So I remember, like, I didn't ask you all if I could share your handles, so I'm not going to do that. Uh, but I will read some of the answers that we got. Stephanie, if you want to help me out here. Yeah. Um, this, <laughs> so one answer was, this one is giving me a headache. <laughs> and totally agree. Feel that. We definitely we got three overwhelmings. Yep. <laughs> accurate, accurate. Uh, a certain answer said, definitely a maximalist. Yes. <laughs> LOL, another LOL. LOL. Uh-huh. Uh, and then my favorite yeah. is primordial Bosch Magic Eye. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, that's probably the best one. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Where are you going to place this? Where do you want to place this on our tier? On our tier of Le Champions uh, finalists. Mm-hmm. I guess we, we can't crown the victor yet right moral victory just needed that five hundred dollars baby <laughs> or soggy overcooked pasta okay those are our tears where um, is this one going for you it's early but i'm feeling confident i think it should go at the top you're already giving it the championship no just like so the finalists the finalists okay, okay. yes absolutely finalists it's early but i'm feeling i'm feeling confident <laughs> i feel confident i okay. am yeah yeah um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't. Yeah, I don't think I can place this one yet either. Okay. Right now, I would also, I think, be tempted to crown Ivan the champion. No, okay. I didn't say that. No, I I'm saying say I... this is what I'm thinking. Oh, okay. I was okay. Like, I'm not. You're like agreeing with me. I'm like, no, I didn't say I was going to crown him. I just said he should be up there. <laughs> okay. But also, if I'm thinking like practically, if I'm really thinking about this practically, this mm-hmm. is a black and white film with a little bit of Technicolor. I think mm-hmm. just the just the painting shows up in Technicolor. So this one would be a very difficult one for those Technicolor artists. Yeah. And it wouldn't show up very well in a black and white movie. 
That's true. Except for those orange pops. I don't oh, know. Especially, the it's low pretty contrast. small. It's pretty small in the um, film. Okay. That's true. It's pretty small. It doesn't take up much space. A lot of people would be walking out. Yeah. Quitting. Well, they wouldn't even really be able to see it. So <laughs> there's a lot of issues there. I could see maybe if I'm thinking practically, is this going to go into a black and white movie? It may not be the best option, but okay. as far as just straight up painting, yeah. I love it. I like that. Okay. We, we're doing straight up painting. because I'm going to put not, it in the finalist. We're not making a movie. All right. So. That, that too. All right. Next up, we have Eugene Berman. Mm. Okay, Eugene Berman. Berman. With La Tentacion de Saint Antoine, The Temptation of St. Anthony, um, or at least an ink sketch of what it might have looked like, what the actual painting May have looked like because, yeah. you know, it's MIA. Yeah. Don't know where it is. Which makes this one really easy. It's a proper failure. It's a pro- it's proper failure. Well, I mean, honestly, it's a failure. It's just like we can't really judge it well, based yeah. on a study. Yeah. If you drop your bake as you're walking it to the judgment <laughs> table, okay, uh, how's, how's, how's Russell Hollywood going to be able to try it out? <laughs> how's, um, how's Steph Furdue? Fr- it's a proper failure. Proper failure. Proper. Yeah, okay, all right. It's a proper <laughs> failure. All right. All right. So actually, some of y'all agreed with us. Um, not enough. What's mm. <laughs> the response? Not enough. We have someone else saying, looks like someone throwing up in the corner. Hmm. <laughs> it kind of does, actually. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and you know what? St. Anthony may well have thrown up in a corner. I mean, he was pretty hungry, the- though. But then, you know, so when you're hungry for so long and then you like, you know, eat too quick. I don't know what right. it could happen. Um, we also have another one. Nice, dark, definitely struggles and negative emotions going on. Mm. Ooh, love this one. It's quick, <laughs> sketchy and makes me think of Zen Buddhist monk works. OK. In it. In it. OK. Uh, moral victory for Eugene Berman. Moral victory. All right. I Okay. I guess. I think it would have ended up in the moral victory category either way for 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 me. I have to agree. Okay. I have to agree. So I feel good. I feel good about our choice. Okay. 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 Next up, we have Leonora Carrington, the hyena queen in the serene, serene green landscape mm-hmm. I don't know any more rhymes in that so. okay that's fine it's all <laughs> <Okay>. good <laughs> well okay so compared to the other two or the 1.5 we've looked at so far <laughs> this is this is a much more serene yes. compositionally pleasing piece breath of fresh air fresh air I f- yeah the fresh mountain air definitely it feels good it feels good um, it's just a vast scene. Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. It, it, it spills backwards, I guess, is where I'm trying to go. Yes, it say. extends. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I'm getting some deja vu, though. Mm. I'm getting some deja vu. Oh, look at this. Look at this. It seems like oh. she was inspired by this supposed Bosch painting. Okay. Um, <laughs> she almost certainly saw this work um, of Bosch in Spain at the Prado possibly, or mm-hmm. she may have seen it in a book, a reproduction. And if that was the case, she saw it in black and white, mm. right? Um, there's no way she she could have not seen it. There's just too many similarities um, to me. And she also, we know that she loved those medieval early Renaissance pieces. Mm. And we actually talked about her 
um, love of Predellas, um, Predellas and altarpieces. That was her jam. Yep. Was jam, her jam or jelly, her, her biscuit. I don't know. Which, I mean, like Bosch, Giotto's work, or just your like random Predella, you get rewarded by observing the work closely. Yes. Which yes. is something we re- we talked about in The House Opposite. Get in there. Yeah, you have to get in there. Get and in so there. this took us actually a few looks, but there are water, like little water horses galloping through the tumultuous river there. Uh, Elsie's spirit animal. Okay. Mm-hmm. Bottom left corner. Uh, there is a nude woman who's kind of doing a backstroke, I guess, or maybe Skinny floating. Skinny dipping. <laughs> And it's all coming from this jug, like in the Bosch painting. But I guess the serenity of this piece should kind of clue us into the fact that it's not like, where are the devils? Where are the demons that show right. up in St. Anthony paintings that right. we've seen? You it, know, there it is maybe a little bit too serene. Is the devil the horn dude who is pouring out the water? Uh, the guy who kind of looks like the he has like ram's horns, you know? making said river for the horses and naked ladies is it the red robed person with like a crow sitting on their head you know yeah that that could be a bad omen there or is it this tiny like net woman (laughs) yeah with people going ring around the rosy around her who who has the golden horn yeah you know and like a like a little crown Mm -hmm. but there's also some similarities to the house opposite like there's a little face oh on the cauldron in the cauldron yep get in there Get in there, listeners. Take a look. There's a little face in the cauldron. He's telling us. He's tell, he's like the he's like the alarm when it's getting too hot. Hey, hey. hey. Might, <laughs> might be time to uh, you know turn that down. Turn it down to a, a simmer. Um, in the house opposite, do you remember Antrita yeah. had a gourd in her hand and it had a face or big big old chunky piece of bread? We never did. Yeah, I don't think we figured yeah. out what, what that some was. Pan. Mm. Um, some pan. I know it sounds so good. Get on that right now. So yeah, there's a lot of similarities um, to the house opposite, right. but right. Um, but let's talk about Saint Anthony, okay? Okay. I, different depiction. Absolutely different. Um, he's in all white because he's pure. Possibly his attire is giving me like boiled egg skin. <laughs> I don't hate it either. It's very like high uh, fashion. I'm okay with it. You I know? see it. Yeah. <laughs> Where, where's the yolk though? Don't ask questions. Okay. <laughs> Don't ask questions. Okay. Maybe he ate it. Okay. And maybe he shared it. He shared it amongst uh, his three faces because, yes, yeah. he has Well, they're all doing ketosis, so they got yeah, that protein, <laughs> that fat. So there's a bald head, a big one with a beard, and then within that beard is another head, which looks confused. Yeah. And then that little head has its own beard, and then there's another head. Yeah. Sleepy, it's a, sleepy it's a, head. It's a, it's a beard nesting doll scenario. <gasps> yes. Yeah. Very meta. Which is why I Very think you meta. would grow a beard in the first place. Like that's what you <laughs> grow long beards for is to cover up things like not having a jawline or having three heads. Or snacks for yeah. later. <laughs> Let's talk about some more similarities uh, with the Bosch painting. So mm-hmm. like we said, Bosch was kind of meta, right? right? And so there's the three heads being meta. Another symbol is the piggy. Mm-hmm. We got a little piggy at the feet of St. Anthony. It's about the same size as his little toes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's another similarity mm-hmm. to the Bosch painting that this is inspired by. I think we can say, like, you know, while this was inspired by that Bosch painting, probably, Elsie is definitely, like, doing her own thing here entirely. It, she is not adhering to any of the earlier interpretations. 
She's really kind of, once again, like owning it, taking it like into her own world, her own magical realist world. Right. And that's because she's very good at mixing like her um, Celtic folklore. Mm -hmm. Her family's from Ireland. So she's that's very much ingrained in her. And she also combines it with her own folklore. Right. Like we discussed in the house opposite. She creates her own uh, little world. But she also she likes to reference uh, like Catholic religious iconography. But she also makes her figures androgynous. So. Again, it's very accessible mm-hmm. to us for sure. Down, she's down with the devil, you know. <laughs> she's down with witches and devils and shit. So why would she, you know, throw them under the bus? Why are they the bad guys? You right. know, maybe Saint. What what the fuck was Saint Anthony doing? Maybe <laughs> he was like walking into their their area and disrespecting their cultural norms. Facts. You know, it's all about perspective and right. context. Absolutely, right. love so let's, that. Let's place this one. I did forget okay. to post this one on Instagram. I'm. <laughs> Very sorry, Elsie. Where are we putting this one stuff? Um, mm, this is tough. Mm-hmm. This is tough. I'm I'm torn because she knows what she's doing, and I, I love her work. Um, but the the feelings it makes me feel like the serenity, and then just being like in awe and wonder. Mm-hmm. That's not what I get from St. Anthony's story. Okay. His his biography, whatever. Um, I, I want to feel the opposite of all that. While I love this painting, I don't think it was quite the assignment. I don't think okay. she quite got there. She took it her own way. Which is fine. Her own I direction. love that. But yeah. for the purposes of the theme, mm-hmm. I don't think she, I don't think it's quite there. Okay. Okay. But skills on point. Skills on point. So what, moral victory? Just needed that five hundred baby. She at least did it, right? I mean, she, she did it, it well, yeah, though. She did like, it well. She excelled, but she missed the mark only because it's okay. not quite on theme for okay. me. For me. But we love it. We love it. We really like this piece. Yes. Uh, I'm going to put it in Moral Victory then. Okay. Hard. hard. It, right. is this, this hurts me. Yeah. It hurts me. I don't. No me gusta. You're tough. All righty. On to the artist I'm sure we will all love, the piece we will all love. Salvador Dali. That's right. Okay. So now we have Dali's version of The Temptation of St. Anthony. And this is actually probably one of the most well-known Dali paintings. Uh, You all know this painting, I'm sure. It's Mm -hmm. the painting with the animal parade of horses Mm -hmm. and elephants with spindly little spider legs kind of carrying all sorts of heavy objects on the of, of gold on their backs, you know, like a golden naked lady mm-hmm. uh, on the cup of lust, I guess. A golden Venetian-like building. Yep. <laughs> a golden obelisk. Yep. So we're calling back to our Maria Raggi second slice, um, mm. which was actually that I'm tower. I'm surprised you remember that one stuff. You're pretty drunk during that episode. You know what? Shh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that tower was actually inspired... Dali was inspired by Bernini's obelisk, which was outside of the temple where that Maria Raggi piece was okay. in Rome. Okay. So there is an obelisk in that square, which was pilfered. Obs, it's in mm. Rome. It's Egyptian, um, yeah. It's Egyptian, yes. Uh, so Bernini built the base to that, and mm. it's an elephant. Yeah. Imagine like a candle holder. Bernini made mm. a, a, a rad colonial candle holder. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what it is. All right. And then, okay, so moving on to St. Anthony, he is depicted here totally nude. Totes nude. Looks like he stumbled out of, like, the desert after being left for dead at at Burning Man. And he's just kind of (laughs) holding up a DIY cross, you know? Like, he's totally nude, and he's hastily tied together two sticks to make a cross. Where did he get the thread? I don't know. Uh, (laughs) Oh, don't ask questions. And in uh, typical Dali fascist, fascistion, 
Fascist. Fashion. Fashion. Fascist. Fashion. Fascist. A skull is positioned on the ground looking right at his phallus. Of course. Of course. Of course. Come on, Golly. Come on. Come on. No. Let's rank it. Let's rank it. All right. Please. Thank you. All right. Dolly, he's just too much for me. I don't know. I don't like the guy. I'm sorry. I don't want to, dude, I don't want to step on your grave on my way to look at your Alice Cooper hologram, okay? I want to eat tapas like a normal person in the sun and enjoy my life. Okay, it's, Dolly. He's overdone. Right. He's this overdone. Is, this is soggy pasta. It's it's the definition of, I guess we're ranking. It's the definition of soggy pasta. Yes, yes. Sorry, y'all. Um, Not sorry. So we don't get thrown under the bus entirely. No, we're gonna and throw y'all. Yeah, y'all we're gonna throw our listeners under the bus. Hate that I can separate artists from art. Very funny. Love that. <laughs> Quote: Like I feel stoned just looking at it, and it gives me that paranoia feeling before the trip. <laughs> Star emoji. Quote. End quote, whatever. Corky? Like Corky. Uh, Corky. Corky's good. Okay. Uh, and uh, what book of the Bible is this from? A little uh, investigative space. Um, it's not, listener. It's not, it is not sure. in the Bible. It could be. It's a lot of books that didn't make it into the Bible that could have been a part of the Bible. Or that were and then were taken right. out. Maybe Dolly in the Holy Mountain is, is, a, is a book of the Bible. <laughs> All right. One last one. Religion, occult, human fear, patriarchal world dominance period scary shit very scary that is some scary shit all right yeah okay one more thing we have another opinion okay real quick so remember dorothea tanning i do yes she took up three months of our lives or two Uh, months i can't remember a lot i lost track so she actually had something to say about dolly um in an interview (laughs) in the early 2000s i remember this yeah quote Dali used his silly shenanigans to get publicity Mm -hmm. to which he was extravagantly addicted yes he made some sublime paintings. He was a master painter, and his exhibitionist tricks didn't enhance him as a person mm. or as an artist. It was a pity, really. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it, I mean, he's very talented. He's a very talented painter. Yeah. Technique, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What, what could have been? What could have been, Dolly? But what is not? What was not, but what could have been? Sorry if y'all like Dolly. Uh, we are open to hearing why you like Dolly. Yes. For sure. But for now, he's soggy pasta. I'm moving on. Next up, we have Paul Delvo. Delvo. Okay, here's here's the work. I don't really know what to do with this. Okay, Delvo was known for yeah. his topless, seemingly soulless mannequin doll-like and skeletons women. and skeletons. It was oh, either nude right. mannequin doll women <laughs> and or skeletons. True, true. Sometimes both. I I feel like this is the definition of someone that needed rent money scenario. Like. I mean, I don't know what else to say. I mean, with like Dali and Max Ernst and all these big names competing in the competition, like maybe rightfully he was just like, I'm not going to win this shit, but I need this money. Okay. Okay. And he just had some painting lying around. He just painted over the year that was on it. He's like, whatever year it was, 1947. I mean, like, I don't even see St. Anthony, though. Oh, wait, there's somebody uh, back there. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, it could be that person back there, you know, uh, but, you know, maybe he painted that in last minute. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> Yeah, I'm just to kind of, just just to hedge his bets. You yeah, know? yeah. I tr- I tried. Yeah, give me money, give me money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this painting is just—it's not even like a good example of his work. It is not because I You're saw right. I, I saw this painting before I knew anything about the guy, and I was like, I'm not gonna like this artist. This is not that great. Like, right. I mean, there's some interesting things going on. I do like the perspective going backwards, but overall, it just kind of seems flat and weird, and not in like a good way where it plays with the space and makes you investigate in the space or anything Mm-mm. like that. Mm-mm. 
but I, you know, I ended up really digging his work, really digging you did. his work. So yeah. don't let this stinger of a piece persuade you. Okay, oh, yeah. check out his work. All right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna rank it. Rank. I think we, I think we gave ourselves away on this one. We did name <laughs> this particular tier specifically after this, so just needed that. Five hundred dollars a baby, which was actually like eight thousand dollars. Yes, so. and I don't blame him. I would have done the same thing. Next up, we have Max Ernst, okay? And we have a painting that a critic called nauseating. <laughs> Looks like a bad boiled lobster, end quote, okay? St. <laughs> Anthony has become the rock the lobster. The rock lobster, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, all right, let's talk about the work. So this has the same over... skateboard. Huh? Oh, so good. Okay. This has the same overwhelming uh, sort of busyness yeah. that Albright's had first... First up, um, but you can actually separate things out more. Mm. Um, there are definitely more colors. There's a more range in the palette. There's also more depth. Yeah. So there are like bodies of water, like some lakes maybe um, in the background that recedes. It's not just flat and in your face the entire time. I mean, the foreground is insanely claustrophobic, where there is just this gaggle of monsters all up in St. Anthony's personal space bubble. This is what happens when you fuck with the rock (laughs) (laughs) Kind of, right? Yeah. I just want to talk about the invasion of his personal bubble. There is a claw with talons getting into St. Anthony's nose. Basically giving him a piercing. I don't know. <laughs> like it's 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 getting in there. Um, and that being said, there are a lot of demons doing a lot of shit to him. Um, and they're all laughing at Saint Anthony. So just starting from like the <laughs> left. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Okay. They're laughing. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how demons laugh? I don't know. It could be. Uh, just starting on the left side here, a smaller like face is hidden. Like he's got five teeth hidden mm-hmm. within a larger teethed face. <laughs> Teeth, a, fa- a face within a face, face within, within a fanged face, face within a fanged face. Okay, anyway. Turtle <laughs> twig arms. Okay, uh-huh. there's like a turtle twiggy arm thing uh-huh. happening. All right. There, there's like a mohawk frog. I mean, these are like, these are comical. Like, they're like uh, off-brand toys that were the same size as the Ninja Turtles in the 90s to kind of trick you into buying them, you know? <laughs> the off-brand, like, yeah. Like yeah, the Mexican ones. Godzilla. Absolutely. <laughs> With like eyebrows for some reason. Oh my God, I love that. I love that. Max has made it easy to spot St. Anthony among all this chaos, though, thank- thankfully. Mm-hmm. Um, so he puts St. Anthony in a red, orange, almost saffron-like robe, so he really stands out. And yes, this is vaguely lobster-shaped, right? And that's where the lobster comes from. Right. Um, but also, I didn't mention this earlier, um, he's like... Upside down, almost like uh, Ivan Albright's, actually. The the St. Anthony's are both in the same They do look like they're about to crack him like a lobster. But also in the background, there is what I think looks like the Cup of Lust that was in uh, Dolly's as well, that sexy golden-esque lady. For sure. Um, But yeah, I don't hate it. Okay. Okay, I don't. This is a lot. This, there, there's a lot here, yeah, right. And, and but honestly, it is very true to those medieval depictions of Saint Anthony getting mm-hmm. the shit beaten out of him by mm-hmm. the demon bullies. Uh, thankfully, no skin infected butt butthole butthole. No face. buttholes yeah. that we can see. That we can see. <laughs> that we can see. Okay. But I don't know. It's it's a lot for me. It's just like missing truck nuts or something. Like there's just too much <laughs> going on there. <laughs> it okay. just feels like it should have truck nuts. That's what I'm trying to say. And I like Max Ernst's work. Oh my god, I almost thought you were gonna say, and I like truck nuts. And I love truck nuts. Sue me. Yeah. <laughs> I do kind of like them. Just I'm gonna c- move on. Yeah, okay. Uh, 
<laughs> okay, time to rank. Max rank it. Okay, but not before sharing some thoughts from y'all listeners. Okay. All right. So we have, quote, nightmare at Disney's Animal Kingdom. <laughs> yeah. Um, definitely. Oh, man. Definitely. This is what's behind the coral in an aquarium. Oh, my God. Jesus. <laughs> It's kind of that meta thing. It's like if you look a little too closely, oh God, no. you will be rewarded with a nightmare. Right. Um, all right. Next one is simply goth. Okay. Which I I like that. Okay. Because goth has some depth. It is not always black. Okay. And and white. I don't know. Yeah, you can be. There's pastel goths. <laughs> oh, I think you tried to tell me about yeah. that the other day and I was like, no. Nah. Just learned about them. <laughs> I think I'm like 10 years late on that one, but I just learned about them. All right. And last but not least, just... Seems like a party. Does seem like a party. <laughs> a party. Is anyone what having kind of party? fun? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe this Don't is know. how lobsters feel about us. I mean, honestly. But their little, their vision, they're looking at us. So what happened, look at what happened to Fred over there. It's oh my gosh. Good. Okay. It really yeah. makes me sad horrible when I see demons. them. We're horrible demons. Uh, where are you ranking this one, Steph? Um, I was like, put them put put as a finalist. A finalist. Okay. Yeah. Because. We, a, I wish we had another category for just new Marcel Duchamp. <laughs> A friend well, of Marcel Duchamp. I like he knew everybody, I feel like. <laughs> um, but for Max, for me, um, I, I love the range of colors in the palette yeah. and the technique is like on point. It's Max Ernst. I think, um, yeah, the only thing that is pushing me into leaving it in the finalist category is just that it does feel true to the older medieval. Yep, that was my next point. Oh. Absolutely. Well, just like the horror right. of like the temptation, like definitely spot on. Next up, we have OLG, a.k.a. Osvaldo Luis Guglielmi. <laughs> so, unlike Berman, Eugene Berman, um, OLG's contribution has not been totally lost, uh, but we... It's been partially lost. Yeah, so all we have, all we were able to find is this black and white, low-res reproduction. Unless the painting was in black and white, which maybe he just wanted to mess with the Technicolor artist for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Uh, that's true. But we can't tell too much from this. Right. Like we can we can see, um, but the quality is just not great. It, it, the black and white kind of lends a Twilight Zone-ness to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably not intentional, but color Twilight Zone is very Daddy to Kiriko if you think about it. So that <laughs> all checks out. True. Very Cubist. Also kind of medieval here. So he's blending some styles together. I think it would be a good painting if we could see it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm I'm definitely intrigued. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about it a little bit. So we have this weird, almost cartoonish woman um mm-hmm. on the right side whose body has been remixed. I don't know how else to describe it. Yeah. Uh so it's like elongated and it's like stretched in all of the wrong places <laughs> or right places, depending on you know where you like yeah, your buttocks to be located. Like. Yeah. Um <laughs> not good judge. Um and she depending has on like, what your cup of lust is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, proud of myself, guys. Okay. All right. So <laughs> uh, she also has like a little Matisse flower hand uh, mm. glove, which is gloved. <laughs> like her arms are, her hands are gloved. Um, Fancy. Yeah. So she's standing in front of a table of food. Mm. So she is part of the hallucination, right? Like sexy okay. lady next to a, a feast. Feast, yes. Um, So there's also, though, this is the best part. There's a hole in her stomach. Right. Right. <laughs> So you can um, see the food. Yeah. Right. So he can get lusty and hungry. Well, little George Costanza. 
Uh, yeah. Action. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, okay. <laughs> Behind her is this very cube, is very flattened, like stacked city, like I mentioned, with your with your daddy to Kiriko motifs in there, like a man on a horse statue, the archways, the empty buildings. She's also very mannequin-esque, like a, bro- I guess a broken mannequin, a mannequin that was plastic yeah. and maybe was next to the heat too long. Uh, <laughs> yeah, anyway, like that. Yeah, like exactly that. like that. Okay. I'm sure all of you know what I'm talking about. Uh, if you know, you Anthony, know. He's looking lean and mean, okay? But also yeah. in anguish, right? Like Kind of like LC's paintings, we have three faces, we have four faces, yeah. we probably have five faces, yeah. or that could be a rock. Could be more faces back there, I'm not sure. So overall, composition is very interesting, okay? Mm-hmm. If we had a better reproduction, if it was in color, I think we would be spending more time with this one. Yeah. But probably going to be eliminated right here, right now. What yep. do you say? Yep. Okay. So some listener answers. We have lust, question mark, unobtainable, question mark. We have feelings of disconnected. How do you wait? wait. Disconnection? Disconnect. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes words look weird. They look weird. Uh, they do. Detachment from self. I do, I like that one. Sorry. Uh-huh. Jeebus and his out-of-body experiences. <laughs> Love that. Dreamlike uh-huh. and Calvin Klein obsession. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This is, a, this is a Calvin <laughs> Klein ad for sure. For sure. Absolutely. Is it because it's black and white? I love that. Uh, yeah. And he's, you know, kind of an emaciated but slim, tall man. So Very, very fashion. Very Calvin Klein. To be hungry. All right. So we're going with moral victory. All right. Because I assume he took his time with this one, and it was a good painting. Next up, we have Horace Pippin, the self-taught Horace Pippin. (laughs) (laughs) This is a strange one. Pippin seems a little out of place here in this competition. Yeah. Not that this is a bad painting at all, but it's definitely not. It's not to his strengths, I would say. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I can't really tell what is going on in it. Mm-hmm. Like, there's this bearded fellow in, like, a feather robe <laughs> on the edge of a short <laughs> cliff. Like, a very short cliff, you yeah. know, but he's, like, kind of clinging on to it. Or lying there, relaxed, like a like a chaise lounge. <laughs> however you say that. Uh, there's a pale blonde person. Full, uh-huh. Like Thor-ish, like fully decked out in whites, like Thor going to their wedding. V pale. <laughs> but with like little red earmuffs. Okay. It's, it's Prince, Ale- Prince Aleia. Princess Leia-esque. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know what that was because I've never seen Star Trek. Uh, it's but Star Wars. Whatever, it's fine. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, but Stephanie showed me and I have to agree. Yes. It's Princess, uh, what's her name? Princess Leia. Princess Leia yeah. w- with earmuffs. Okay. Then below the cliff is, is this garden of human bones. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, they kind of look like white flowers. Yep. Like this is the Grim Reaper, if he's a gardener, you know, and he's kind of pointing to his bone flowers. Like, yeah, look at, well, these, look at these bone flowers. I think some of them are flowers. <laughs> <laughs> look at these bone flowers I've grown. I also think it could be threatening. Okay, it's not like all peace and green, serene. Like, hey, this you is think, my garden. You think the it's Grim Reaper like... might be threatening? Yeah. Hey, okay. hey, could be you. Could be you. <laughs> Yeah, I'm looking at you. Okay. Yeah. This, All right. No, anyway. Yeah. I mean, there is like a, a a broken backed skeleton on the back of a uh, like a rock there. That being said, don't know if that is Saint Anthony. I don't know if the figure in black is Saint Anthony, uh, or the other two that are above the cliff. Cliffs. Yeah. The cliffs. Don't know. But yeah, I, we don't know. We I, don't know. I'm into that mystery though. Right. <laughs> I mean, so formally speaking, I, I like the competing vertical and horizontal gradations mm-hmm. from the uh, crag, the craggy crags going up they kind of split the composition directly in half which is really nice it gives Uh it this like weird 
it gives it these like competing directions that actually work pretty well for it. Mm-hmm. And I, I just like the strangeness of it. It feels yep. like a really bad B movie <laughs> like fantasy film from like the eighties. Yeah, like I, like I would you hang like this. That. Yeah, I would hang yeah. this in my home. <laughs> but I, I literally don't know what this has to do with Saint Anthony. Yeah, I, what is? I, I don't know. It's such a break from the interpretation that right. I just can't. I just can't. It doesn't feel like it fits in with the with the competition at all. Agreed. Yeah. Like right. completely not, like totally just not. Nothing, yeah. nothing gives me St. Anthony. Mm. So agreed. Sorry, Horace. We like your work a lot. I do. We do. All right. So I think this means Horace will be a moral victory. Some some interpretations mm-hmm. from our listeners, okay, that they chimed in with. One says, I wonder what this narrative is about. Me too. We too. <laughs> One <Me> says too. <laughs> Yes, with a lot of S's. I agree. This is a very cool yep. painting. Okay. Yep. Ooh, they say. Ooh, <laughs> the simplistic <laughs> lines and forms here for it after so many chaotic paintings. It is a nice break yes. from the other works. Yes, I will it is. say that. Uh, another listener says, "Reaching for a former self." You're really like very poetic Ooh. there. Yeah, I like. I like that. I, I like that. It's a good interpretation of it. Yes. Next up, we have Abraham Ratner. Like Berman, the work was lost. So we only have this sketchy study in pen and ink wash. Mm -hmm. It's very abstract expressionist. We've got some energetic, chunky lines and like these blocks of washiness. Okay. Likely they would have been in bold color. We can make out like three rather detailed demons uh, with wings and horns and with these goofy ass smiles. (laughs) I like their smiles. They're having fun. Uh, Yeah, Yeah. but they're goofy ass. Yeah. (laughs) Friendly friendly demons. Um. I'm just saying they're friendly. They might be too friendly. Okay. That's all. Uh, So (laughs) we have two figures in the center, um, one with some bazongas. Yeah. Okay. They have a face and an eyeball and a hand, that Mm. figure. And then the other one has like hollow eye sockets. Okay. And a beard. I wonder which one is St. Anthony. Uh, I'm going to vote the one with the bazongas. Of course. (laughs) Why not? That's part of the hallucination. So even though we can't tell much mm. from the study, I think it would have made for an interesting composition. But based on uh, his other work, right. I don't think it would have been my favorite. Yeah, I don't think we probably would have spent too much time with this one. Uh, I do like the washiness in the background, though. The ink washes, very, very in love with those. I like how some are brown, some are more of a darker black, some are kind of gray. So there is some like movement in there. Mm-hmm. It's kind of working for Mr. Ratner. But yeah, overall, I don't know. Nothing there. It's just a study. Mm-hmm. Can't do much with Can't it. Study it's disqualified. The study. Yeah. <laughs> disqualified. Okay. Rank. Oh no. Oh no. What? I'm becoming Noel. You Rank. are. Rank. Next, we have Stanley Spencer. Another non-surrealist. Non-surrealist. Stanley was inspired by Renaissance painting, and he was an extremely talented painter. In this work in particular, it's very Michelangelo-esque. We've got some (laughs) flexing muscular bodies, mostly all nude, but they're also like distorted and cartoon-like, which is disorienting to me, but I love that. Yeah, I I like how the neck, like this woman's neck is like 
disconnected from her head. Yeah. So good. So good. <laughs> kind of like if you look carefully, you'll be rewarded. It's very painful as in like, yoga pose there. You'll be confused. Yeah. And yeah, have slight pa- pain look- looking at things. Um, so <laughs> most of the bodies are of nude women, right? Mm-hmm. The hallucinations. But honestly, this looks like a giant orgy. Of course, yeah. But yeah. there's a couple animals thrown but a fun, in. But like a nice orgy. <laughs> Not too competitive. Seems nice. I mean, there is there is someone getting their, their head pecked off, so... It's it's like it's slow moving. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. We've literally <laughs> described everything except St. Anthony. So where is he? Where is St. Anthony? Right. Find oh. him. Find him in, within the orgy. <laughs> there he is. There he is at the bottom. He is about to be buried alive in a coffin. Okay. He is fully clothed. Okay. And he, he kind of looks like Humpty Dumpty. His head mm. is very Humpty Dumpty. Sans halo. There is no halo. Yeah. And I actually, I really like the dress. It's like kind of a fishnet, like midi dress. With I like shadows. it. It's modest, but edgy. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. The dress is really cool. And he's put all the like shadow details of the fishnet dress. I don't know where you get that back in those days, but it's there. And I love it. I'm here for it. Yep. Okay. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to show you all the weird Jesus paintings he did early on. But it has those same weird Jesus proportions that I mm-hmm. love. The women yeah. look fairly boring, but along with this like egg head, his body is just kind of also like a lump. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, where is his chest? Where, Like his arm is just, where is his arm coming from? Where is his other know. arm coming from? <laughs> I, I don't understand. He's just a blob. So, <laughs> so many questions. It's weird. It's wacky. What is that wood even? Like that wood is not wood, but it is wood. It's a wood coffin. Like where's the <laughs> hole they're supposed to bury him in? It's just so right. wild. It's so wild. What's the octopus person up there? Like Dr. Octopus up there? Like what is going on? <laughs> no clue. It's like disconnected butts and like this weird like stretched man next to like another coffin yeah. or like a sex bed i i don't know i don't know what's going on there uh, someone's fishing a, a fish out of the water out of the stream there someone's doing some back stretches like yep it's wild i love this i love this i love this it's so like surrealist it kind of out surreals the other surrealist works <laughs> You know what I mean? I love that. Yeah. He's just being his weird self. And yeah. in, in that he yeah, outsurreals everybody else. Like this is how a dream <laughs> would actually work, I think. Like where things don't necessarily oh. make sense and like you're just getting snippets. At least that's how I dream. Like I, I just see little snippets of things. That's that actually yeah. that makes sense. That's dream logic. Yeah, it's, dream, it's like, very oh dream logic. sure, yeah. sure. This person's getting their head pecked off over here. Yeah. Sure. And at times in college when I uh, you know, I felt like St. Anthony there. You just felt lumpy. like a lump just in a lumpy, coffin? like with no bones. Just like, <laughs> like where my bones go? Help. I hope this bed's supportive. Help. <laughs> help me keep my shape. Uh, I, I don't know about you, Steph. Rank-wise, <laughs> I would really like to put this one in the finalist category, if you're okay with it. I think it's a new, it's a new take on the same story, okay? It's not so disconnected from the story that it loses the plot, like okay. in LC or like in Pippin. But, you know, it's a little bit different. Okay. All right. Yes. No? You yes. You disagree with me. I Okay. So I technique. I think he's a fantastic painter. Mm-hmm. Where I would expect the, like, horror from um, the, the Temptation of St. Anthony mm-hmm. and any of the other works that have made it to the finalist, it isn't a different take. So, like, I'm confused. And in that confusion, there's horror because I don't know what's going on and I okay. don't know the answer and I'm afraid of what's going to happen next. I'm basically agreeing with you. Okay. <laughs> okay. Put in the finalist category. Yeah. yeah. Here it goes. Yeah. 
Drop it there. Drop. Got one more. Last contestant. This is probably one of uh, my favorites of Dorothea Tanning's. Mm. Um, it's definitely one of her strongest for me out of Dorothea's works. Okay. Out of her other. Okay. Uh, so when it came to technique, uh, she was also inspired by the Renaissance, um, especially during this time period of her work. It's very dynamic. It's an interesting composition and mm-hmm. it keeps it keeps me intrigued, intrigued and engaged. But St. Anthony here, he looks like he's from System of a Down. <laughs> What's that guy's name? Serge T- Tankin? Uh, Sergio or something like that. The, one of the lead singers. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. There's no halo. His cape is turning into sex- sexy lady bits. Yeah, um, I, really, I really like his cape. I like how the yeah. gradation of color changes. Yes. She has also made these very sexy, like, swamp monster ladies that mm. are, like, either watching St. Anthony or they're nibbling at his arm. Okay. Interesting yep. you find that one sexy, but okay. Well, no, it's fine. Like, I'm, learning, I'm learning a lot about you. The figure all the way in the back, in the in the sort of black shadows back there, in, in the inky shadows, looks like a <laughs> Soriyama, uh robot woman. It was very explicit, uh, uh, shiny, reflective, like robot woman. I think they were like yeah. pinups. They get pretty explicit. Yeah, I was gonna uh, yeah, say not safe that's, for work. That's <laughs> but, but it reminds me of that, and that that you know gets me to my point. Whereas I, I feel like this one gets a little bit too sci-fi for my tastes. Like it, it's okay. just like a little bit too well done. Once again, like getting back to like surrealism's uh, kind of inclination to be too detailed. Yes, like explain everything. Right, explain everything, and and yeah, put it out. like doll. Oh my god, I don't want to say it, but like Dolly, kind of a little bit Dolly. Yeah, yeah. I, although yeah. I do prefer this one because it doesn't feel so stereotypical. Like it feels like. Dorothea doesn't have motifs that she just constantly leans on to be wackier and wackier. Right. Like, this makes sense to me. It is very strange. So mm-hmm. I do like this painting quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it leaves enough room for me to really put my, to really get a feeling from it, which is a, a problem with a lot of surrealist works, let's okay. be honest. Okay. But yeah, I don't know. It's a beautiful painting. Okay. So where do you want to put it? Well, the techniques there... The like the composition is intriguing, but I feel like at this point, and I don't know if it's just the timing because she's the last one <laughs> we're discussing, I think others have done it better. So I don't think she should be a finalist. Okay. Yeah. So moral victory? Yeah. All right. It's a boy it's a boys' club once again. Too bad at Lenore Feeney didn't chime in. The one would have been an interesting one. Yeah, she didn't show up. Right. Didn't show up. Okay, okay. Let's put ourselves in the judges and the director's shoes to consider what factors may have been at play for deciding the winner of the contest. Mm. So the movie was going to be projected onto a big silver screen and Technicolor was only going to be applied to the painting for the cameo for a very short amount of time. Just the painting. But just the painting. Just the painting. Yes. However... It was still competing with the actors and the stage set, all of that shit. Yeah. Um, so the painting had to make an impression, right? The temptation of St. Anthony had to be uh, potent, right? And mm. quick, all at once. <laughs> uh, it's also the 1940s, and nudity in films is still very conservative. Okay. Um, but I imagine that if nudity showed up in a painting, that it needed to be 
tasteful. Tasteful nudity. Whatever that meant in the 1940s. Don't okay. know. Okay, so let's just go through them again real quick. Uh, let's eliminate them. As if we were the judges. The actual judges for the movie, considering all the Hollywood executive movie things that Hollywood executives <laughs> consider. Okay. Yeah. So Eugene Berman, uh-huh. Abraham Ratner. Yeah. Uh, we can't speak to them because, honestly, even through the sketches, it, it probably would be a no. Yeah. But since we don't have any proof, like we said, uh, nothing doing there. Right, right. Also, Osvaldo Luis Guglielmi, OLG. OLG. He would have been a contender in my mind, mm. but it's also hard to say without having seen it in color. Um, that being said, the judges also just didn't pick it. So, um, <laughs> yeah, speaking yeah. of no, also no <laughs> to Paul Delvo. Okay. Okay. Nude and confusing. Nude and confusing. But weirdly, it does fit the vibe of the movie. Can we say that? The creepiness of the lead? Yeah. Death. Like, I actually think that one might have worked well (laughs) in the movie. The slow and boring movie that we tried to watch that was confusing and and bad and bad. But you're right. The nudity (laughs) is probably a deal breaker. And then, you know, the lead being such a prig and all. Yeah. You know. Prig. Uh, A poser prig. Because apparently he was supposed to be feisty, but he's really... He's a basic prick. Yeah, basic, basic ass prick, <laughs> as they say. I really hope that's not like a. No, it's not okay. Okay. Sh- anyway, so all right. So Horace Pippin. Uh, there's always like a little bit of fear in my mind where I'm not exactly sure like how a word yeah. has been used. It's okay. 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 You're gonna think about it at 3 a.m. <laughs> Mark my words. All right. So back to Horace Pippin. Right. Mm-hmm. What happened to Horace Pippin? Exactly. Yeah. What happened there? Still don't know. I'm confused. It's a confusing. Uh, so no. Yeah. So now Dali, Dali. I think is one of the easiest to read. If we're just thinking silver screen, Technicolor on the big screen, mm-hmm. it probably one of the easiest paintings to read. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'm actually a little bit surprised that they didn't go with Dali. I think maybe having Markale, 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 Duchamp on the panel uh, may have helped to nip that in the bud. People in surrealist circles were not liking Dali's shenanigans. But, you know, if I'm a Hollywood movie executive and, I, and I'm hyped up on cocaine, you know, and I have a long <laughs> ponytail that I sit back and it sits on my uh, okay. three-piece suit shoulder. Big shoulder pads. pads. Yeah. I probably would have gone with Dali. Okay. Okay. I would, yeah. I would have been very excited about it. I would have been very affirmative. Dali. The kids love Dali. We go with the, what, the, what the kids love. They're the ones okay. buying the movie tickets. We go with the kids. Okay. Dali. Did I do do some more cocaine and probably um, whatever there, <laughs> some sort of drink, some madman scenario. Okay. Uh, so that leaves us with Dorothea Tanning. Mm-hmm. Okay. Dorothea Tanning, I don't think would have showed up well either. Yeah. Border, it's a borderline monochromatic painting. Yeah. I think, I think it would get lost yeah. even, even with Technicolor. Even with Technicolor. Yeah. LC. What, this was one of my favorite paintings in the whole series. This was hard. It was a hard, it was a hard cut. Yeah. I actually think that painting would have looked great. In Technicolor on the big screen. Mm, okay. It doesn't help that the movie, I think, is it's like we said, it's a slow, confusing, boring film. And if we're if we're supposed to believe that this man is a scoundrel, I think the painting needed to show some more sinister aspects. Okay. Yeah. Fair. Um, the same actually could be said for Stanley Spencer. Okay. Okay. It's just like a big beige mess of mayo bodies. Mayo bodies. <laughs> Mucho mayonesa. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> also, <laughs> also no. that being said, it's too too nude. It's bad taste in my mouth. Too nude and too weird. A- and not immediately sinister right. either. Like you, right. The sinisterness is there, but, I mean, it, you're looking at this film for, like, I mean, you're looking at this painting for, like, 20 seconds. So right. it's far too su- subtle. It's 
It's far too subtle. <laughs> Ivan Albright, low contrast, Chuck E. Cheese, wrestling nightmare. It's yeah, too you're busy. rolling around on the floor. You're on LSD. <laughs> it's too monochromatic. You're, yeah, there's still. candy. You got candy stuck to you. Ah. <laughs> no, it wouldn't have shown up well like a lot of the other paintings we discussed here. There's not a clear figure like there is in the the picture of Dorian Gray. Ivan, mm-hmm. of course, did the, the picture of Dorian Gray. Yeah. Um, it had a very clear figure there. Mm-hmm. And, and why would this scoundrel prig pick this painting? You know, this right. sort of messy, very, like we said, dark Lisa Frank painting. Doesn't really make sense. Right. Yeah. All right. So now Max Ernst. Yes, Max Ernst is left. Is also complicated, yeah. okay? His take on St. Anthony is still recognizable. Mm-hmm. It doesn't completely stray from traditional painting, compositional techniques. There's some depth. There's right. no explicit nudity. Right. I think there's some nudity, like, far in the background. The um, cup of lust. Probably, yes. <laughs> um, so it would stand out for all of the right reasons. Yeah, and that, that saffron, sort of orangish red mm-hmm. is really going to pop so good. on that black and white. Right. right. Um, so in in a weird way, because it's definitely not the clearest painting to read, but mm-hmm. I think on the big screen, it would probably be the clearest painting to read, even maybe a little bit more clearer than Dolly's painting. Right. Yeah. Right. So. So. All this being said, <laughs> that we, Russell and I, came to the, yeah, came to the conclusion that Max Ernst, his work would actually best fit the bill. Right. Okay. Right. And yes, Max Ernst was the winner. And we knew that. We knew that. D- we knew that and we thought we were going to outsmart it. We're like, "No, we'll pick a better winner." But when you when you really had to make those those tough decisions. Yes. It was clear. It was a pretty clear easy path to, Listen, to victory. I rolled my eyes. I rolled my eyes. I was yeah. like, I was like, "Ugh, like Max Ernst won historically. Of course he did." Ugh. Like, but not when we go through it. Not when we go through He won that. I see it. I see it now. I see it now. So he won okay historically cool we see it now we put ourselves in the shoes and and whatnot so what did he do with all that money right because he mm. won twenty five hundred dollars so thirty three thousand dollars forty nine thousand dollars in today's money yeah. yes he bought a plot of land in sedona arizona along with dorothea tanning and they built a house from scratch which is where we began our dorothea tanning second slice episode okay but but enough about okay so we like we are we're pretending to be Hollywood movie executives. Who do we think? Like, if we were making the shots, if we were calling the shots, we're not, we're, you know, maybe we're remastering the film or we're throwing out the old scripts, we're firing all the actors, we're okay. getting better ones. Uh, we're reimagining everything. We're probably firing the director too. Looked like it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a bad one. <laughs> so we're calling the shots here, the art okay. slice shots. Yeah. Okay. Max, to me, uh-huh. I don't think would have been the winner in my mind. I do think he sticks to the original uh, St. Anthony depictions well. Right. I think overall it's a very nice painting. It is absolutely not one of Max's best works, I don't think, in my mind. Right. Just going off of a, a, a pure sort of painting test out of, out of the finalists here. So I'm considering things like which one keeps my eye the longest? Okay. Which one makes me bounce around the composition? Okay. All right. Which one do I want to go back to and explore and be like, did I just see that? Did I go, you know, <laughs> do, do I need to like circle back around and like check it out again? Yeah. I, I would absolutely put him behind Ivan and Stanley in those cases. <gasps> oh. Do you agree? Um, I can't believe I'm going to say this. Okay. But You're going to stick with Max. No. No? Oh, okay. Le Beige 
just calling you're my going name. With ba- you're going with the beiges. I'm, the beige ladies. I'm leaning towards okay, Stanley. Oh, shit. I mean, there are huh. just, there are so many hidden surprises in, in his, right? And okay. this is, this is a painting we might walk past. And actually, I think yeah. we both did when we first looked at it. We're like, what the fuck? Moving on. Um, but you do a double take, and yeah. it's just so bizarre. It's like a lot of naked ladies. All right, I get it. Cool. <laughs> but yeah. it's like it's a delightful confusion. Like right. it, it's amusing. Like I, I'm in a space where it's good to be confused. I don't feel weird about it. If okay. that if that makes sense. Like I'm not saying that Ivan's isn't a good painting. I'm gonna say right. that. But I don't want to stare at it for too long. Mm. I'd rather take a shower. Yeah. So when you're rolling around, all the, so you don't actually you don't want to roll around on the dirty, grimy Chuck E. Cheese floor with me and the other dogs. All right, no, wolf, wolf, us dirty dogs. Okay, no, okay, no thanks. I I love Albright's painting. Uh, I love okay. uh, the way he paints. I love the way that he actively pushes you outside of the painting. He's uh-huh. like trying to keep you out of the yeah. painting on yeah. purpose. It's all intentional. Yeah. Um. But I do think like like Stanley's paintings have grown on me. Yeah. This entire time. Like yeah. it's just it's been it's been a sleeper. And every time I go <laughs> back to it, Ivan, you know, I don't want to say he doesn't feel intentional. I actually mm-hmm. think he does feel very intentional mm-hmm. with his work. He's yeah. very sincere. Yes. I do not question him like I often question surrealists, artists, because he doesn't have a manifesto. Right. He's not trying to be surreal. Right. right? He's not trying to stick to some like Freudian interpretation. Right. But it, I mean, it's fictional. Mm-hmm. It's magical realism, and, and I, I buy into his world. Yeah, I totally buy into his Definitely. world. With Spencer, <laughs> with Spencer, <laughs> I don't know if any of this is fiction to him. Like, I think it's real. Like, there is yeah. a certainty to his work. Yeah, that, and it's not just this painting. Like, no. it, it, it was any painting that was not a commission. Patrice, so really, we like. <laughs> So, like, his two most famous works, the more, like, Diego Rivera-esque works, mm-hmm. I feel like those are not the best examples of his work. Like, his like his Last Supper painting, where they're all playing footsie. All, the, like, Jesus <laughs> and Judas and all the disciples yeah. are playing footsie yeah. in the middle of the table. And you're they just are. like, what the fuck? What the fuck is this guy on? <laughs> on life. Yeah. And then, and then life. He, <laughs> he's painting St. Anthony in a see-through net dress. With a, with yeah. like no discernible skeletal system, Humpty like Dumpty in a box, man. That's and he's what you, you know he's, yeah exactly 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 <laughs> like there's people who are octopuses, there's people getting eaten by birds. Like this is what Dolly should have been in my mind. Yeah yeah yes. Dolly is not drugs. No, Stanley Spencer is drugs. <laughs> okay, yeah. he's actually drugs. He's yeah. the guy who. Yeah. <laughs> I went to uh, I went to school with a guy like this. He's a okay. guy oh, who is so burned out on LSD from high school uh-huh. that he's he's just <laughs> oh no perpetual LSD state. He's just in another plane of existence. Oh my god! He's just in another plane. Of, he just sees the world differently. Uh-huh. And we're and every time I would talk to that guy, I was just like, I'm a little better for getting to, for getting a glimpse into your artwork, for okay. getting a glimpse into your world because nothing about it was fake. Nothing about it was insincere. Okay. It was honest. It was true. It was there and it was wonderful. And I feel like Stanley, the more I've gotten to know him, the more I, I feel that way about a lot of his work. So I would yeah, I was really surprised when you pick when you were like, you're going with Stanley. Dude, he's like magic realist in a way. In that way. But no, it's not, because it's not fiction. That's true. He's he well, I guess wow. it is magic realist because he's living his own magic. Damn. In real time. He's got a new, we got to get a new category <laughs> for this guy. Holy shit. That's my theory. I don't know enough about the guy, but we don't. You know, yeah. 
You might hear him on a second slice. Okay. Well, I guess that wraps it up. I don't really know how to wrap up uh, a video podcast. So, right? like, I don't even know where to look. Still. Stanley was the art slice winner. Is that right? Yeah, I'm okay. crowning. I'm crowning him. We. I thought I was getting ready to fight you. You know what? Kind yeah. of right. But yeah, I'm like, I was like, she's not picking Stanley. I I would have told you I wasn't picking him either, but here we are. <laughs> uh, but I was really surprised when you passed on Dorothea Tanning. Because I know how much you love that painting. Yeah, but when you consider all the other factors, you're like, it's going to get lost. Yeah. But as per usual, I'm always like, it's worth Yeah, she's always a little bit more. It's also she, like, well, we already said it. She suffers a little bit from what Dolly suffers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She at is times, close. At times. At times. Um, but yeah, no, you shouldn't be surprised. Okay. I'll see her, though. Yeah. Ouchies. It was a good one. I, I keep, like, rethinking <laughs> that. I'm like, should she be in the final? I still think I would have gone with Stanley, though. No, I absolutely. I feel still like Elsie's on another level, yeah. like as Stanley. Stanley's a little bit. Stanley just went, but that. No, but I think Elsie and Stanley, they're they're both on their own sort of plane, and I like that about them. Yes. Both. Yeah, I just feel like she was a bad fit for the competition, sticking by the rules. Correct. Right. Correct. We've right. already said this. So we have. We're just repeating ourselves. We're just going to move on then. Yeah. All right. People listeners. are fat. People are hitting the fifteen button. Fifteen. No, fifteen. Don't fifteen. Do don't do that. Okay. All right. So now <laughs> that we have discussed the works in depth and have revealed uh, the historical winner, our winner, we would love to hear right. your ranking. Right. Not just on the eleven or twelve competitors, but also the earlier art historical examples. Okay. So yes. We've Max, added them all. Max versus yeah. Michelangelo, Dali versus Schongauer, and so on and so final, forth. Final boss fights. Yeah. Which one would be in your movie, and what is your movie about? <laughs> okay. We're going to need a new tier system. You're going to need a new tier system. Yeah. There's a link. Fill it out. We'd love to see it. Or just tell us also yeah, in the comments. Yeah. It's my first wine, and it's hitting me. This is not all wine, by the way. I'm not just chugging wine. Yeah, you're a lightweight. Tell everybody you're a lightweight. It's funny. I'm a lightweight. Okay, yes. how are we ending this? Uh, That's it. Is it? This is the ending. Okay. Oh, thanks to Rose of Loyalty Freak Music yes. for supplying the song, which is in French. Do you remember the name of the song? Uh, oh, what is it? Something blue. La something blue, the night is blue. La blue de la nuit. I think the blue like of that. the night. The blue of the night. Yeah, Probably the blue of the French night. Spanish. Great song. Uh, go Please check God. out their work. Go yes. support them. And then, once again, thank you for being a patron. Yes. We really appreciate it.